We love you, Lord. We give you all the praise today. We thank you that you will be magnified and glorified as you have been from the beginning of this service. But continue, Lord, as the word is shared to bring life and life more abundant to every person in this room today, to those who might be listening on the web. We just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, that we are not shaken people. We are strong in the Lord, and we are mighty in Him. And we are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. We thank you, Father, for the authority that's been given to us. We bless you, Lord. We bless you today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We'll give him praise this morning. He is worthy. We're going to make our confession, and I believe God has a word for us today. That uh, I believe he woke me up at 5... 445 yesterday morning and I had kind of known where I was going to go today but I just really felt a strong word word today and I believe God wants to speak to us as a church as a people of God everybody say we are the people of God okay let's say this together the word of God is truth if I live the word I will be blessed if I don't I won't it's just that simple turn to somebody and say be blessed (laughs) hallelujah you can be seated you know um Sometimes, you know, you're ready to share a word, and um, today, well, actually yesterday, was the anniversary of us starting this church, um, and it was also uh, Independence Day uh, celebration for South Sudan, same day on July 9th, and uh, so we're excited about that. They're, they're moving onward and upward, amen? But, um, and so we're, we're, we're really glad God gave us the ability to be a part of what he's doing in that nation, a new nation. But uh, our nation uh, today, as some have shared already, is in a, a troubling place. If we look at it in the natural, things are shaking in the world. But uh, we are not shaken by what the world sees. We are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because of what the word says. And so we're not moved by what we see. But um, I felt today I was going to share on, are you in motion? You know, um, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And you know this scripture. We all know this scripture. When we started this church, you know, sometimes when you start things, uh, it's very exciting. I remember we had 70 total people in the entire building. And that might have been counting bugs. I don't know. But with, there weren't a lot of us. And uh, we came from a church that was about five or 6,000 at that time. And uh, the Bible school that my husband was over was probably three, 400 people. So when you start with just that few of people, uh, you know, you have to keep your faith on what God says and not what you see. And so, uh, but it was such an exciting time. I remember that Sunday that we did that. We were in a lower level of a basement. Well, lower level of a bank building. My husband wouldn't allow us to call it the basement and because it had some windows, so we called it the lower level. And over the years, you know, we've seen people come and stay, come and go. Some come and stay and go, go away and come back, you know. But really, we don't do this because of people. We do this because of the Lord assignment. And so we don't base what happens based on the people who are here or not. God told us in the beginning, take care of the ones that are sitting there. Don't be thinking about who's not. And uh, I have a tendency to see numbers 
numbers and look at things. And so, you know, when you preach, you see all the people. And I could almost take attendance. <laughs> when there was 70, it's not too hard because that means there were children included. I could take attendance every Sunday just by standing up and leading the worship. I could see who was there and who wasn't. But, you know, God is interested in the people that he puts before us in this church and before you every single day. Those are people that belong to Jesus. Those are people who need a good word, who need to be exhorted, who need to see that there is hope. Like uh, Hannah said, that we are the light. And if the enemy can cause us to shrink back, then what will the world see? Just utter darkness, because we're the only light in the world, because we see beyond what is happening in the natural. Because we're not looking at the temporal, because the temporal is subject to change, but the eternal is fixed. And so, um, as I was preparing this message in Hebrews 12, this is what it says. It's for all the church. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, how many of you've had people go on to heaven? You know, they're there. I know my dad is up there. He he's counseling me from heaven. I'm sure he's saying, Pam, look this way, look that way, because he was so good to us. But all of you have people that, you know, are up there. They're in that cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, as I listened to Kelson and Hannah today and listening to John worship, uh, Jen's taking a little break. And, but honestly, I had heard in December to have John lead worship in this church. And so when the opportunity arose, I really felt that John was to lead the worship. And, uh, you know, I watched this morning as he's leading worship and Kelsey and Hannah are up here exhorting the people. Uh, Everybody say great things ahead great things ahead. You know, we're running a race and we have young people running the race with us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Everybody say, look at Jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we can look around sometimes and think, gosh, I thought it was going to be this way. How many of you have ever had that? You know, you get to a certain point, and you think, this isn't the way I thought it was going to be. But God knows exactly where we are this morning. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly who's in charge as far as elected officials in this nation. God's arm is not short to save. That's the word of God, and it hasn't changed. And so we do still have a Savior. We have someone who will deliver us, keep us from evil, if we are looking unto Jesus. And uh, this just came to me in, I think it was the end of June after we came back from our vacation. I heard the the Lord say, hit the ground running. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, Pastor Bill and I, we are young at heart, but how many of you know we're older than we used to be? I mean, when we all started this race. And so, you know, I I have to tell you, uh, over the year, sometimes you get disappointed because you're thinking, you know, surely God, somebody's going to take this and take it to the next level. But, you know, I, I heard the God say to me very strongly, when I'm ready for somebody else to do it, I'll send them. So get hit the ground running. I thought, again, we're going to hit the ground running for another year. But this will be our 28th year. That's a seventh year. So that's a year of uh, fulfillment, abundance, and God had given us that word. So I, I have to not look at my age. Maybe you don't have to look at something in your life. But God is calling the church to hit the ground running.
and looking to Jesus, not other things, not what we feel, not what we see, none of those excuses. Everybody say excuses. You know, well, you know, I just got married or I have this or I can't afford that. We have to, like Kelson exhorted us in the beginning, that's not our focus. Our focus is on bringing the kingdom of God into this level, into the earth where people can see who God is. And so um, I, I saw this uh, race. And when I first saw it, my sister used to run the 440 relay. And uh, in fact, she was a really good runner for the 100-yard dash, had a record, still had her name over there on the west side. My husband thinks somebody defeated it. I don't know, but I know for a long time she was really fast. And so when I heard hit the ground running, I don't know why I thought of that 440 relay. But what God reminded me was there's a baton that gets passed in that thing. And that the baton, when it gets passed, the person who's going to receive the baton has to be running. They can't just be standing there saying, gosh, I hope they hurry up and get here. I mean, I've been standing here. We've been standing here. And uh, no, they're not. They have to be running at a speed that when they connect, that's just smooth. It just runs right on. And so I want to show you this race because um, this is what I saw. This was the beginning of this message. And the title of this message is An Elijah Moment. Everybody say, An Elijah Moment. Let's go. This is the American Two is team. Open, open, Jamaica has scratched. Now watch as they run when they pass that Alice baton. Brown closing the stagger on Bulgaria. She is burning up the turn. Here's the pass. It's a good one. There's one down, two to go. Much better than in the semifinal. This is the critical pass for the U.S. Will Flojo start out fast enough? Excellent. But they're behind at this point. The one and all red. That's East Germany. See Zabla. that? Now she's the fastest runner. Marty she's the last Gerner one. Watch her. Watch her. She wins. Hallelujah. Now, turn that up a little. I want you to hear what the commentator says and what they show us now about this pass. She wipes her brow. She's glad that's over. Alice Brown gets out very well. In fact, I think she had the fastest first leg. So she passed off to Sheila Eccles very, very well. This was a good pass. Out in boom. And that was a critical pass. Now Sheila can run and really concentrate on Florence taking off. And Florence, much improved pass between Sheila Eccles and Florence here. Got the stick and just took off. But look at the East Germans. Florence was behind, and the U.S. was going to be behind with the, with the handoff. Evelyn Ashford is going, oh, please, don't let me be too far behind. And for Evelyn, the anchor of her life. That pass was not a work of art, but that was a wonderful straightaway. <laughs> and then this pass, Florence Griffith Joyner had regained some of what was lost. See that? Good pass. That was a very good pass. Evelyn is a good relay runner. She just held back her hand, didn't move it, waited for the baton to be put in her hand, and then grabbed it. She didn't even try to move it around. Wherever she could get it and hold on to it, that's it. You don't waste time. And she relaxes and drives through the finish. She wanted that. Look at the look on her face. Less than an hour. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the kind of race we're running. You know, as I read through the Bible, in the Old Covenant, God handed off the baton lots of times to people. 
But I believe, you know, and when I saw this, I was thinking, you know, in this church, you know, we hand off the baton to others so they can grow in their calling and their anointing. That's very important. You know, that we, we run as a team. We, we hand off things, give them to them, let them run, let them run their race too. But I, I felt like God said, no, I'm getting ready to hand off the baton. And this is going to be that last leg. And that has to be the fastest runners. It has to be the people that aren't looking back. Did you hear that? She didn't look back. Her hand was back. She was running. The person coming behind her just put it in her hand. She didn't do anything to change that baton or try to do anything to waste any time. She just ran with that baton hanging on to whatever, however she had a hold of it. And uh, as I heard this, you know, I, I didn't really know where to go with the rest of the message. And I even said to Pastor Bill, do you have a word for Sunday? Because I am, this is all I have, you know, <laughs> going to be a short sermon. Amen. Everybody stand up. We're done now, you know. Uh, but, but then yesterday morning when I woke up at quarter to five, I heard this is an Elijah moment for the church. Well, you know, uh, if we look at the book of Elijah, you know, Elijah was a prophet. And, uh, you know, he didn't have an easy time of it in his day. He had a, a king named Ahab that wanted to kill him and wanted to kill all of the prophets uh, that were anything to do with God. Wanted to kill the people that were of God. And uh, in that day, Elijah had to take a stand. And at one point, he declared there won't be any rain for three years. And uh, it didn't rain. Well, you know, that just made King Ahab madder than he was before. And uh, I'd like to say to you right here that our fight is not with flesh and blood. Our fight is with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And in the Bible, it says in the last days, there will be a great falling away of the church. Now, I, I believe we're in a time and a season right now where we've seen a lot of people fall away. How many of you known people that... You just wouldn't believe that they've fallen away. They didn't start out with a major situation that just little things. And then they kind of changed their lifestyle. And then they kind of compromised a few things. And now they're not doing anything that they were doing when they were connected. Everybody say connected. Connected to the things of God. Now, it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't mean that they don't love God. They just love themselves more. Does that sound familiar? Second Timothy Chapter 3, verse 1, is where it describes how it will be in the last days. People will love themselves more than they love God. And when I heard that word, um, you know, I don't really like to get up at quarter five. But, but, and the night before, I hadn't slept real well and I, because I was praying about what am I supposed to be saying on Sunday, Lord. And so when I heard that, I felt like God said, get up and write down what I'm telling you. And instantly I heard the United States of America will not have to have an enemy come from the outside. She's destroying herself within. And he said the enemy has made people so angry and deceived because they let go of looking at Jesus. That's what happens to people who let go of Jesus. That's what happens to people who let go of the hope that's in God. They eventually become either apathetic and they don't think of anything or they become so angry that they will not get along with anybody and they become isolated. And if they do have contact with somebody, they're angry. I cannot tell you the people who demonstrate their frustration at me 
uh, because I don't go fast enough. I don't turn the corner fast. Have you experienced that? I mean, something so minor. Uh, we have been tested in this city in our faith. <laughs> Amen. We have been tested in our patience. And, you know, I felt like God said, just enjoy the journey. Because today when I came down 52, there's grass. There's new sidewalks. I don't know why it takes 60 people to plant four plants, but they did it. And I'm just going to rejoice that they didn't spend all my money. But look how beautiful it's going to be when they get done. See, we have a choice because we're the light. Everybody say the light. And so we're not the one demonstrating with gestures how we feel about it, at, you know, situations. And, uh, you know, one day I thought, you know, why are you getting out of line and going through neighborhoods? Why don't you just wait a minute? I mean, while you're waiting, you could be praying. You could be thinking about the good things that I want to do in the earth. See, we become, we get in this, we get in this. And what God said to me was anarchy. There's anarchy. Well, I don't know what anarchy means truly. I mean, I, I know what's going on, but then I looked at anarchy and this is what it says. Uh, a situation of confusion and wild behavior in which the people in a country group organization, etc., are not controlled by rules or laws, a state of lawlessness. Everybody say lawlessness. Now that's sin. That's what that is. Lawlessness or political disorder due to the absence of governmental authority. And God said to me, it's not the world's authority of a government. It's my government. Do you remember what it said about Jesus? And the government will be upon his shoulders. And so what we have to do as believers is we have a government that we're in. It's, it's the kingdom of God. And it, we are to abide by those rules, the rules of the word of God. That means we love people regardless of what they're doing. We don't love what they're doing, but we love them. Our goal has never changed. Love God, love people. Everybody say, love God, love people. And so when this situation, like we've seen just in the, the ones just this week and, and the ones in Orlando, the things that have been, have been going on in our nation, uh, the enemy is setting us up. He is setting us up and he's causing us. I thought of Jehoshaphat where all of his enemies, you know, he was praising the Lord, but the enemies all turned against each other and annihilated each other. Everybody say that's not happening in America, but that's not going to happen, but something's going to have to happen to change that. And it says in Proverbs, if you put that scripture up to Proverbs 29, 18, this is what it says, where there is no revelation and that or vision, the people cast off all restraint. Would you say we're there? But happy is he who keeps the law. That's not the laws of the land, although, you know, we need to obey the laws. But I'm talking about today the laws of the kingdom of God. That's what applies to a believer. And we have been given everything, every tool we need to be who we're supposed to be in the greatest mess that's going on. We can still be who God called us to be and be aware of what's happening. When you look at Matthew 24, 12, this is the chapter where Jesus talks about the end times. He's, he talking about, he's talking about what we'll experience in that time. And in that time, he says all these things. You can look, you'll be able to tell. But the greatest thing in Matthew 24, uh, 12 is that people will have lost their love for God. Everybody say love for God. Now, there is a scripture in Revelations that talks about the church that left their first love. 
uh, our first love is Jesus. Uh, today I felt to have John sing that song, Jesus, we love you, because we need to get back to what, what's really the core of who we are. And it's out of the love of God that we do everything we do. Can you put that one up for me? Matthew 12, 24, 12. And because lawlessness, everybody say lawlessness. Well, when I saw that anarchy word meant lawlessness, then I thought of this. And it's it's true in our nation. It's not just true in the nation. As the people, so goes the nation. And so when people begin to drift, begin to pull away and not have that commitment to Jesus, like, you know, even myself, what I used to have when we started this church. Uh, I remember in the basement, I remember your grandma and your grandpa, and they, they were so loving to us, and uh, they, they gave us money to buy a duplicator. First one, only thing we ever had at that time, we had tapes, but we had no way to duplicate them. And his, his uh, grandma and grandpa did that, and then his parents came, and eventually they somehow wooed him into the situation. And because loneliness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's not love for other people, although we're to love other people. That's the love for God. And I felt like God said, Elijah came to this moment where he said to Ahab, because Ahab uh, really wanted to kill him, but he, he, he was so bold, he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? And I believe that's what God's saying to the church today. How long will you waffle between two opinions? Is God God or isn't he? And so what he did, there were 450 evil prophets and there was Elijah. Now, you know, he was having a little bit of a pity party because he said, I'm the only one left. I think that's how we feel. So I'm the only one left. Have you ever felt like that? I'm the only one in this house who really believes God's going to do something. I mean, I'm talking in a home, you know, some days Pastor Bill has to remind me God is going to do something. Yeah, we need that journal. We need something to remind us what God's going to do. Some days I have to remind Pastor Bill, good news for all of you. We don't go down at the same time. (laughs) Everybody say, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm telling you, we have our days just like you have your days. And, and there, there, they, there comes a point, you know, in the last couple of years, I've had a couple of those points where, you know, you just think I can't do this, but God says, it's not about you. It's about your faith. It's what I've called you to do and keep going. Everybody say, keep going, hit the ground running. Elijah did that. He, he did that. He said, how long will you falter? And he gave this challenge to, to the prophets of Baal. He said, okay, you call on your God. I'll call on my God. I think the problem is right now, there's a lot of people calling on Baal and not a whole lot of people calling on God. Cause if people are calling on God, we will have an Elijah moment. Because God will show up. It says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. Everybody say all your heart. And so I, as I was thinking about that, and, and this is like five o'clock in the morning, and I'm just writing as fast as I can. Uh, God began to show me in Matthew seven twenty three. Uh, it says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You who practice. Everybody say practice, practice lawlessness. So it's not that you make a mistake. It's not that we fall down. We can always get back up and God will forgive us. We repent and we run again, but it's practice. Everybody say practice and sin is easy to practice. It starts with a little, then it becomes a little more. And pretty soon we don't even realize how non-committed we are to looking at Jesus 
because we're looking at everything else. Uh, you know, I, I'm praying and I have prayed in this church. There's a scripture in the Psalms. I can't tell what, where it is right now, but it says that I will live until I declare to this generation the power of Almighty God. I'm going to be preaching till they get it. Till I get it, and then I'll get help the rest of you get it with me. But, you know, God's power is so awesome if we stay in a position where he's everything. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. That's not, well, you know, I love you till I want to do what I want to do. And then, you know, I'll see you on the other side. How many of you know that's easy to do? God, I'll see you when I... Uh, when I get done doing this, then I'll, then I'll be back with you again. We can't afford that right now, church, because this thing is in that final leg of that race. How long that's going to be? That could be lots of years. I know when my grandma was alive, you know, they thought Jesus was coming next week. And people look at the world today and say, He's, he for sure is coming, for sure. Look what we're in. But I don't know that that's true. And when he comes, I want a glorious church to be on the track. I want us to be that lady. If if you heard the beginning of that video, they they thought they had a practice time and they got the wrong practice time and they didn't make it to the track in time to practice. And so they had had to run a race right before this one that she said, it's just amazing that we're even in the final because we didn't get our practice in. I'm telling you, the church isn't practicing. We are not practicing running in this race. Practicing means that people are following you every day because you love Jesus. They are, they are listening to what you have to say. Uh, I remember one Sunday I was standing here and, and I felt to go to Kelson. And, and uh, I said to Kelson, Kelson, I believe God wants you to get on Facebook. And I, and I believe he wants you to, to just post stuff that God's speaking to you. And then your friends in Hawaii that you're praying for, they'll watch you on Facebook. And then they're going to get a message from you on Facebook that's going to exhort them. Not very long later, I look on there and there's Kelson. (laughs) He didn't wait to go on TV. He didn't wait for the cameras. He just, I don't know, looked like you were in your truck or something and put a camera up there. But I mean, he had his hat on backwards and he was giving it to him left and right. You know, we need to use the tools that God has given us and become those people that are going to want to cheer us and get in that race even with us and run. And it's an Elijah moment when we do that because God will show up in that time when the prophets of Baal did all of the stuff. In fact, uh, Elijah finally said to him, well, you've cried out all day. You've screamed, you've yelled, you've, you've, you know, tried to get him to show up and he hadn't shown up yet. And all he did was throw a little water on a, a bunch of sticks, and, and he did that two or three times using this to let the people know water isn't even a, a commodity right now. We, we don't even have water to throw, but we're throwing it on this fire just to prove even more that God can do something out of nothing. I mean, he, he, he wasn't like playing around with these people. And he threw that water on there, and the third time he did, the fire of heaven came down, burned up everything, and everybody said, he is God. I'm believing for that kind of moment. That's where we're in a grocery store and we pray for somebody and they know God has touched them right there in that grocery store. I've done that before. And and I'm telling you, God will show up anywhere. I mean, he will show up in places that you thought he wouldn't even go to, but he w- he is with you wherever you go. So wherever you are, he is. And it says, uh, I want to read second Timothy because this is what I, I felt like God made more real to me as I 
looked at that word anarchy. You know, anarchy is not just people shooting people, although that is anarchy. But it can also be in just people not being who they're supposed to be. They're not following the government and the rules and the laws of, of who they belong to. And in Second Timothy, this is the description of the day that we're able to see. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. You know, I, I remember when I grew up, um, people didn't seem to be so conscious of themselves. Now, there were pe- there's always going to be people who are thinking, we all think about ourselves. Don't, don't, don't you think about yourself? I think about myself every day when I get up and look in the mirror. And then I think, ooh. But, you know, we, we can't, we're, we're not supposed to be thinking. About, if we get that kind of attitude, we won't even go out the door in the right frame of mind. You know, you may have trouble saying you are fearfully and wonderfully made, but you need to say it anyway. And it says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure. This is the worst of all, the very last one. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. See, when people get into anarchy, they have let go of their love for Jesus. In the church, I'm talking about the church. The world doesn't even know what's going on because they aren't spiritually discerning. But we know, we know. And so as we begin to put these things before us, so I said, well, Lord, what, what, what do you want us to do? I mean, I'm writing all this down. And what came to me was Ezekiel 37, where, you know, Israel had done so many things wrong that God finally had, had it. Have any of you ever had it up to here? You know, just I've had it up to here. I took my mother out for her birthday last night and uh, took her to dinner at the Outback. She is so funny. And at the end, they said, well, uh, since it's your birthday, would you like some ice cream? Well, she was all full until they said that ice cream word. She goes, would you like some ice cream? To me, I said, I'll help you, Mom. And so here comes this ice cream. Well, she said to the man, finally, I'm just too full. But then I start to get up. She's got the spoon back out. Here she goes again. I'm halfway out of my seat, and she's back eating the ice cream again. She, she wasn't full up to here. That's what she told him. I'm full up to here. But then she's back in there having a few more bites. You know, I believe God said, you, you children are not getting this. You're not obedient to me. And you know what the thing was that put them in captivity? They didn't honor the Sabbath. Now, they did a lot of other wrong things. They were, I mean, they were in doubt and unbelief, just like all of us can get in doubt and unbelief a lot of the time. And they had a God who was a great God, and they saw great and mighty miracles, which we see too. But what the thing was that put them into bondage was they didn't honor the Sabbath, and they had to stay there for 70 years. 70 years. And they were a very oppressed, depressed group of people. I believe that's where the church is right now. It's like... um, you know, not all the church, but I believe it can happen to any of us. It's happened to me. You know, you're thinking, surely somebody's going to come along and run this last thing. How many of you ever thought, surely, surely somebody, God's going to do something that's going to get better. Have you ever thought that? I mean, it's, but God's not going to do something better until you're moving. Everybody say moving. Uh, you know, we're, Jesus finished the work and he sat down. Uh, we haven't sat down yet. If you're here today, it's not over for you. And so we're to be running. 
we're to be running, waiting for whatever God's going to hand us. And we're not worried about what we're going to do when we get it because we're already running. We're already doing what we're supposed to be doing. So when that baton hits, it's just another level of anointing that zips us into another arena of the power of God. Are you getting this today? I felt, I felt like God said, this is your 28th year, but that, we're not looking at years. We're looking at vision. Everybody say vision. The vision of God has not changed for you, Chris and Heather. has not changed for you. I am so glad to see you. In fact, my husband said, the tall guy, the tall guy. <laughs> I can't remember his name. And so, but, but we could see you. God made you tall. He made you tall so that people will see you. See, every one of us has an attribute that God wants to use. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're older. What Age is not in this thing. It's running to the end. And Ezekiel ran until he just went poof and he was out of here. Not poof, but you know what I mean. God, God took him out. I was talking to my son, Matthew, and I said, uh, he said, tell me, Mama, what are we preaching tomorrow? And he's coming this week. He said, you know, if I get there on Sunday and things don't look like they're going right, I'll just hop up and give a word. I thought he would never do that, but he likes to tell me that. And I said, well, I'm talking about Elijah. He said, is that that guy that just went out like he just went up? I said, yep, that's him. He said, that's the way I want to go, Mama. I want to go just like him. And I wanted to say, well, you better start acting just like him if you want to go just like him. Hallelujah. You know, when you're serving God with everything that's in you, you know, I heard Brother Hagin say once, you can get so far out there in the spirit that you can't get back because you are just like there. Hallelujah. Let it be done to me according to God's word. There are signs, wonders, and miracles. All you young people are a part of that generation that are going to see that. You're going to see that because you're going to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and everything that's in you. And I believe that over every one of you. But what has to happen is the church, everybody say the church, has to care about people like God did. When he got ready to bring them back into the promised land, he said to Ezekiel, breathe on them. First, he said, speak to the bones. Speak to the bones, speak to the bones, life, call the bones into place. And it says, you know, Ezekiel saw like sinew and, and all the flesh coming back on dead bones. That's what he saw in that valley, just dry, dead bones. I believe that's what God's, I believe when he said to me yesterday morning, it's going to be an Ezekiel moment or an Elijah moment. It's going to be that people come back. To who God called him to be. Two Sundays ago, I shared on a, a message on surrender to the cause. And I said, God gave me a word resurgence. Resurgence is taking people who were once like this, who went like this, and moving them back like this, only further. Amen? And I believe that's what this whole thing is about. We are going to get to see mighty and wonderful things, church. But we are going to have to make this decision to do what God says. Maybe you'll have to, maybe you'll have to speak to your bones. Bones, get out of bed. How many of you have ever thought, I don't get out of this bed? But you say, I'm getting out of this bed and I'm going to church, not because it's Sunday, because somebody might need a word I got for them. Did all of you come ready today to give somebody a good word? See, it says that's why we come together to encourage, exhort, and edify one another. Chris has given Pastor Pill a good word right now. There she goes. You know, we all need to be able, we all need to see that we have assignments. And then when you come, 
nobody has to crank you up for worship. You fly in there ready. Everybody say ready. You know, we have worship people up here, but all they're doing is just leading us onto the throne room that we've already experienced at least once this week. Have we experienced it once this week? See, that's what God's looking for. He wants to be in that relationship. So he said to the children, or he said to Ezekiel, say to the children of Israel, bones come alive, come together, come together. What was he doing? He was prophesying, but he was making a declaration over them to call them back to life. And then he said, breathe on them, call breath into them, call the breath of the the Lord back into them. You know, that's how he created Adam. He blew breath into him. And so he was bringing what was dead back to life. That's what we have to begin to do, folks, to ourselves, to our family, to our children. You know, you may be here today and have situations that look like they're dead. It doesn't look like there's anything that could be done, but that's not the truth. I saw your son and Chris with your grandson and your grandson, uh, Aaron. He, he's, he's restored. He's restored. And Chris put on there, this is the best thing a mama can see. Well, I think the best thing God can see is when all of his children are breathing and are doing what he called them to do. And most of all, when they're loving Jesus. Would you stand up with me this morning? You know, um, Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There will be gross darkness in the earth. Everybody say, there is gross darkness. But we are the light. We are the light. And then, it, I felt to really give you this word today, because um, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you. I want to I want you to put that up for me back there if you would, Christine. Isaiah 54, 17. Uh, so we won't be shaken. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue. That tongue isn't people, it's demonic powers and principalities that are speaking against truth in your life. Which rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Everybody say, we have to do something. It isn't no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's everything that rises up against you. You say something about it. You declare that is not going to happen in my house. That is not going to happen in my neighborhood. That is not going to happen when I go to the grocery store. These things that are attacking the world are not going to happen. And we begin to prophesy it in our house. And then we begin to prophesy it outside our house. Why? Their righteousness is from me. Be free today. You're not okay because you do right things. You're okay because you're right with God. That's the key. You have to be right with God. And then it says um, in 54 of Isaiah, it says, strengthen the stakes. Get ready to stretch. Get ready for growth. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're supposed to be growing. That not just in this church, but in your house. Your, your sphere of influence is supposed to be growing. But you have to strengthen the stakes. Everybody say, strengthen the stakes. What that means is you got to get it really firm with God if you're going to run this race that we're about to run. And then Revelations 12, 11, Never been more true than it is today. All the time I've been a Christian, I would always hear. And they overcame him, the devil. The adversary, it says in Revelations 10. The accuser. Everybody say accuser. Accuser of the brethren. See, he's, he wants to do that. He'll try to tell you anything to stop you. Stop believing it. 
Stop believing it. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I would always think nobody ever says the ending. And they did not love their lives to the death. What does that mean? Not my will be done, but your will. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today for every person. It's time to reach out and touch. I felt like God said, this is where you're going in the fall. Reach out and touch. Reach out and touch. So I'm going to start sharing on that. What does that mean? If you'll look up just one second. Can you put that picture up for me, Christine? I was going through Facebook and I saw this. And I, what I had heard back in, before we went to Florida was reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this a better world if you can. It used to be a song that people sang all the time. And then I saw this picture. And I didn't see the cross at first. All I saw was the different colors of hands touching just with a finger. But see, when you touch somebody, power goes forth. The anointing of God goes forth. And so in this church, that's who we are going to be. We are going in to this season of what we see as anarchy in the world. And we are going to reach out and touch. That's who we're going to be. Amen. We're going to be touchers with the power of God. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you for every person here today in Jesus' name. You may be here today and say, I've never really committed my life to Jesus. But, but I know I need help. I know, I, I know that I want to be who God called me to be. And maybe you don't even live in a family where they talk about Jesus much. Or you weren't raised in a family that talked about Jesus. But today you realize that you want to be a part of what God's going to do in the earth, then you got you to gotta know Jesus because that's where the power is. That's where the anointing is. Do things happen that aren't right for all of us that know Jesus? Yes. Do we have things that we don't understand? Yes. But what we do understand is God sent his son to die for us for our sins. And if we choose him, we will forever establish where we're going to be forever in eternity. And we all need to know that. We all need to know that. So if that's you today, you say, I want to receive Jesus or I want to come back. I've been running away in Jesus name. I want to pray for you today. Is there anybody, anybody at all? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want all of you to pray with me. I want you to say after me, Father, send us the lost. Send us the hurting. Send us the people who need hope. Send us the people that you want to be free, to have what you have, to be what you called them to be. We ask you, Lord, for the harvest. We ask you for those people that there will be multitudes that will run to you in this church, in churches all over the world, in grocery stores, wherever, Lord. We ask you for the harvest. Now, I want to pray for all of you that are standing here today. And I want to pray one more time. If you're here today and you are in situations where there is anarchy. Now, I'm not talking about what, although there is anarchy in our world. I'm talking about anarchy where the enemy is causing confusion and wild things, wild thoughts, wild situations. In, in your situation or in maybe somebody's situation, you know, and you know today is the day that God is showing you it's time for an Elijah moment.
in that situation. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. You know that in your house, in your work, wherever it is, in Jesus' name. Lord, we call forth the Elijah moments in those places in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, that there is going to be a proving that God is God because he says he's God. Not because of what people are doing, not because of what people think, not because we see things that we don't see. I pray in Jesus' name that Elijah moment is going to come forth where God proves himself that he is God and that he has come to rescue, to save, to heal, and to deliver. And that the mighty works of God, the miracles, signs, and wonders will follow the people who are standing here today as they go go about bringing about in the earth that Elijah moment that you're talking about in Jesus' name. I want you all to say this. Father, I desire to see signs, wonders, and miracles, to see your power. So I put my focus on you. I'm ready for the baton. You can hand it to me because I'll be running. I will not be looking back. Some of you here today keep looking back. I did that. You cannot look back. You have to look forward and you have to have your hand back saying, I am ready. I am ready. Give me the baton. So I want you to say this. I am ready. Give me the baton and I will see to it that you have your Elijah moment in the earth. As far as I'm concerned, I love you. I follow you and I am not shaken in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. We'll give God praise onward and upward a year of fulfillment. Remember that whatever it is, God is for.